0: What is up ladies and gentle nerds, it's your boy Graham also known as HamHawks42 on the internet and today we are looking at another card. This one requested by my buddy JD and it is the Chain Veil. And we're specifically going to be looking at the Chain Veil from a kind of a deck builder's perspective with the question of how do we use this thing. So let's take a look at it. So the Chain Veil is a legendary artifact, fortunately this thing's legendary and we're going to see why. At the beginning of your end step, if you didn't activate a loyalty ability of a Planeswalker this turn, you lose 2 life. Okay, so there is a cost. You do need to have Planeswalkers on hand in order to leverage the thing. Otherwise, like so many cursed artifacts throughout stories, it hurts you. So, okay, cool. Then you can pay four for each planeswalker you control. You may activate one of its loyalty abilities once this turn, as though none of its loyalty abilities have been activated this turn. So you just get to straight up double up reset your planeswalkers. That's fantastic. But there's a lot of, I don't know, there's there's a downside to that in that dedicating a lot of planeswalker slots in your deck leaves you with fewer creatures, fewer... Um, answers to what your opponents doing and so you have to be really intentional it would be easy to go through your collection grab whatever planeswalkers you have slap them into a deck with three or four copies of the chain veil and call it a day and you could have some fun experiences with that but chances are the decks not really gonna work as well as you might want it to so let's take a look at a handful of planeswalkers that I think actually could help this out because in general This is going to amplify your planeswalkers, so you're going to want to build a super friends deck where you have a lot of planeswalkers, but you also have them synergizing with one another, and having effects on board that can actually win the game. And so, when we think about planeswalkers, what do we want them to do? We want them to create tokens. We want them to deal damage to, um, you know, our opponent or their creatures. We want them to re removing creatures. We want them, in general, we want them to protect themselves and move the game towards the finish, whatever that looks like. Um, so there are a handful of different angles that you could take with the chain veil, and I want to take a look at a couple of them. So for starters, the chain veil itself in the lore is an artifact that was worn by Liliana, and she actually used it to curse Garrick or Garuk. I'm still not exactly sure how to pronounce that. I, mean, I have no doubt I'll use them interchangeably throughout this. Um, And so it would make sense from a thematic perspective to have a lot of Lilianas and a lot of Garuks. Okay, cool. Fortunately for us, we have a lot of options when it comes to Lilianas and Garuks. They're characters that have been around the game for a long time, and as a result, they've been printed a bunch. So we have a number of different options. So I want to take a look at a couple that I think could help fit in a deck that is centered around the Chain Veil. So for starters... I want to take a look at Garouk Apex Predator. So this thing is... It costs 7. You can plus 1, destroy target Planeswalker. Now, can you imagine doing that twice in one turn? That can completely devastate what your opponent is doing, even if they've dropped an Ugin on you. So that's pretty fantastic. Um, or, plus 1, put a 2-2 Black Beast creature token with a Death Touch onto the battlefield. Between both of those 1s, Garouk is going to drive the game towards a conclusion. So Apex Predator, I think really is a solid option that can really help really progress the game towards a conclusion and can really benefit from that chain veil effect. So what else does he have? Uh, Negative three, destroy target creature, you gain life life equal to its toughness. So that is just a board stabilizer, so that's always going to be good. Well, having that option will always be good, let's put it that way. But Apex Predator also has an alt. Negative eight, target opponent gets an emblem with whenever a creature attacks you, it gets plus five, plus five and gains trample until end of turn. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And if you're in a situation where you've been creating tokens to protect your planeswalkers and help put pressure on your opponent, this is just a nail in the coffin in a beautiful way. And if you're going with the Garruk Liliana style build, that's probably going to be the way you go. So let's take a look at our first Liliana that we want to take take a look at here that I think could really help uh, this deck. And that's Liliana, The Last Hope. And the reason that I call that Liliana, The Last Hope specifically is because she costs three to come into play. The Chain Veil costs four. So as a result, you'll be able to get Liliana on board prior to the Chain Veil arriving. And that's really useful. So what does Liliana do? Plus one, up to one target creature gets minus two, minus one until your next turn. So that is going to help protect your planeswalkers and protect your face against aggro opponents. Um, and that's really, really useful. So what else do we have? We have a negative two. Put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So if you have any creatures in the deck, that could be useful. Mm-hmm possibly not going to be quite so much. The plus one is really where the money is going to be in the early game. But then you also have a negative seven. You get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step, put X22 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield where X is 2 plus the number of zombies you control. Now, if you want to build a zombie tribal scenario, this could be really, really fun. And you could also add Liliana Dreadhorde General and some other Lilianas that really care about zombies to really ramp that up to the next level. And that could be really, really fun if you want to go that route. So that's another option. Now. Other three-drop Planeswalkers that can really help protect um, while the Chain Veil is setting up are, you know, I have another example of that, which is Mew Yanling the Sky Dancer. So if you're going to be running, like, a three-color situation, or if you're going to be running, possibly you could go, like, straight to Mir with just black-blue, and you could do some really cool things with that. Mew Yanling has a similar effect as Liliana in that, She has a plus two with, until your next turn up to one target creature gets minus two, minus zero, and loses flying. So it reduces that two power again, so that can really help protect those Planeswalkers. And even if it doesn't protect them completely, it can keep them alive long enough for the Chain Veil to come online and start doing stuff. So I think that those would be really, really beneficial. Now, Mu Yanling's second ability is also one that can help protect the Planeswalkers that is a negative three, create a 4-4 blue elemental bird token with flying. And if you manage to get to her alt, which doing plus two, and especially doing plus twos over and over, like twice per turn with a chain veil online, you her ultimate is negative eight. You get an emblem with islands you control, have, tap, draw a card. So that's freaking bonkers. And uh, yeah, one mana for a card is a pretty darn good rate. So I think Mew Yanling has a lot of really great potential in a situation built around the Chain Veil. Because the Chain Veil is going to be dropping on turn 4, starting activating as soon as turn 5. And ultimately, if you want to start activating the Chain Veil on turn 5, you better have some Planeswalkers on board that can benefit from it. And I think Mew is a great example of one that really, really will. Alright, so we have a couple of other a couple other details that we might want to consider for the mid to late game. So we have Garuk Apex Predator for the late game. What else do we have? Another one that I wanted to call out was Ajani the Great-Hearted. Because Ajani's negative two puts a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each planeswalker you control so if you're in these colors Ajani the Great Hearted do some really fun things by promoting uh, pumping all of your planeswalkers simultaneously and being able to hit that twice in one turn yes Ajani's gonna go down to one himself however i think that's worth it for a really explosive turn where you can ramp up to some of those ultimates you know, as quickly as turns, I don't know, probably five or six, you can be hitting ultimates if you are ramping the Chain Veil and a Johnny Greathearted. So that's something to consider, Um, only because the ability to add loyalty counters by using a loyalty ability, if you see examples of those, I think that's another area where the Chain Veil can really, really help in Super Friends decks. Also, Proliferate is an ability that you really want to leverage, and this almost feels like that. So, let's see. Another example is Garut Cursed Huntsman. I think Garut Cursed Huntsman is another excellent late-game option because he just creates an army for you. He just creates an army for you. Um, He has the ability to destroy creatures and draw cards. And on top of that, once you do finally get to his ult, which is only 6, and he starts at 5. So, if you have a Johnny Greathearted, you can ult this guy as soon as he comes into play. So, that is a great example. Those two get together. You can do some crazy crazy things. Now that does require three colors, so that's something to keep in mind. But still, if you can get a Johnny Greathearted onto the field, once you drop Garuk Cursed Huntsman, all of a sudden you you minus Ajani Greathearted even once and you get Garouk's emblem. So that's fantastic. If you can alt Ajani twice you get Garuk's emblem and he survives. <laughs> you can get Garouk's emblem and two wolves. And he sticks around that's fantastic like that value is just killer so i would highly recommend building around guru cursed huntsman if we were to uh again really focus on the chain veil and really try to make that thing sing because I, I think these examples are really clutch now the one thing about the chain veil that i do want to call out is it costs four to put into play and four to activate that means that if you are trying to build up your board presence of planeswalkers Unless you ramp to the moon, you are probably not going to be able to play a Planeswalker and activate the Chain Veil in the same turn. So sequencing that is going to be really critical. Knowing when to throw another Planeswalker on board and when to double up the loyalty abilities that you have on board is going to be the difference between this deck being successful and this deck floundering with a lot of cool cards. And trust me, I've had plenty of decks Flounder that are full of really cool cards. It's not a good feeling when that happens. So that's just a call-out that I wanted to make, um, because I I think that that's important. Another one that I think is really valuable here is Garruk Wildspeaker, because we were just talking about ramp, right? So let's ramp to the moon, shall we? With Garruk Wildspeaker... You actually get the chain you get a rebate on the chain veil's cost if Garouk Wild Speaker is in play. Because the plus one untaps two target lands. So here's what you do you tap two lands, you float the mana, you you uptick him, you tap those two lands again, you use the four mana that you have floating to activate the chain veil, then you can uptick Garuk Wild Speaker, and now boom, Chain Veil activation was completely and totally free because those two lands that are now tapped are back to being untapped. You're completely reset where you started, except now you can activate all of your planeswalkers, expect except Garuk Wildspeaker twice. So that is one great way to get that rebate. And so I would highly recommend in this deck having at least three Wildspeakers, because that is going to make a huge difference in your success with the Chain Veil later, because that all of a sudden puts you in a position where you can activate the Chain Veil and potentially play a Planeswalker. Now, given the way that the sequencing is going to go, you probably aren't going to be able to play the Planeswalker while also being able to double activate it with the Chain Veil, but it's not impossible if it's a lower cost one. So that's something to keep in mind. It's an interesting possibility, and I feel like Wild Wildspeaker is an excellent addition in this deck. What else do we get for it, though? So if we're in a situation where we have plenty of lands, we don't need to play any Planeswalkers. Maybe your hand is empty. What else do we have? We can minus one to put a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token onto the battlefield, which if we're going to be going the Garruk overrun finisher, that's great. That gives us exactly what we want. Then we also have the option to negative four creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and gain trample until end of turn. It's a one-shot overrun. That's fantastic. So in a situation where we only need a rebate on two of the mana for the chain veil, then all of a sudden we also get this effect. That's just killer. So that's fantastic. And it also combines with a lot of the other ultimates. Like one of the things you'll notice with Garuk is that a lot of the time you get overrun effects where all of your creatures get buffed and gain trample. So you, we have a lot of overrun abilities here. A lot. A lot. A lot. So I think Garruk Wildspeaker is a slam dunk home run. Got to be included. And so this version that we're talking about is if, we, if we're if we going to be building it around kind of the Liliana Garouk um, exchange like those two characters specifically i feel like these are some prime examples of ones that need to be included you can include a number of other ones there's no wrong way to build this but if we're trying to make it as efficient as possible i think these are a couple of really solid ones and also in general when you're looking at planeswalkers three and four drop planeswalkers are worth so much more than the really big bombs now that said the really big bombs are great like you'll notice that with garuk cursed huntsman with him costing six this card has been legal and standard since throne of eldraine there has Not been a single standard deck that has really leveraged this guy to full effect which is a shame because it's a really good card but at the same time he came out in the same set as oko so yeah (laughs) with power creep and whatnot a planeswalker that drops on six is just not good enough in standard anyway but if we're playing commander if we're playing a more casual environment i think this card is nothing short of an absolute beast and that was no pun intended. Just, it is. Like, look at this guy. It's just, yeah, it's insane. But at the same time, it costs six. So it's important to balance that. So, what's more valuable? six drop or a three drop that's going to give you some really solid value throughout the course of the game It depends on the construction of your deck i would definitely like any deck construction philosophy lean on the side of having having more lower drops and so i think the three drop planeswalkers that are that will protect the chain veil are going to be really really important and so yeah mu yanling is one of those um, guru Wildspeaker speaker can be one of those in a pinch because you do get that beast token now that does weaken him but still Um, Negative one, you can tick that twice and still keep him around. You can tick it three times if you're not worried about him dying. So you have a lot of great options there. Now, there's one other use for the Chain Veil that I would be remiss if I didn't point out. And that is in a deck that is leveraging the single worst Planeswalker ever printed. And some of you guys know where I'm going to go. And you're right. I'm talking about Tybalt the Fiend-Blooded. Now, why does this card suck so much? Well, it costs two. It's a two-mana Planeswalker, and it's not good. It's crazy to think about. So, the starting loyalty on this guy is only two. And the plus one that you're supposed to use to leverage, to really ramp up and get this guy big and powerful, is to draw a card, then discard a card at random. So you're chucking a your card away at random from your hand. So you cannot plan your turns period. And that is a huge downside that is just cannot be overstated. And we all know it. As a result, this character is more a meme than anything. So why the heck am I talking about it in an episode where we're talking about the chain veil? Because I cer- I certainly don't want to hit that plus one twice. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. I want to point that out because the ultimate on this guy Gain control of all creatures until end of turn. Untap them, they gain haste until end of turn. In a situation, especially if it's a casual or a multiplayer environment, that ability is very, very, very powerful. And personally, I did play an Oathbreaker game where this guy was my commander, and I actually won it. So, it's possible. Tibble can work. Can. But there's one synergy that I want to point out that works beautifully with the Chain Veil and Tybalt. And that is Chandra, Acolyte of Flame. And yes, that is the baby Chandra that produces those little elemental creature tokens that explode in the the Cavalcade of Calamities deck that we know oh so well from Arena. Well, Chandra, Acolyte of Flame has another ability that is very easy to overlook because of the elemental generation. She has a zero ability that says put a loyalty counter on each red planeswalker you control. Hey, guess what Tybalt is? Tybalt is a red planeswalker you control. So if you have Tybalt on board, you activate the Chain Veil. You can activate his plus one twice, which is risky to be fair, but that gets him up to two, or that gets him up to four just alone. So if on the turn when you play him, assume you haven't had a chance to uptick him, or assume maybe he got hit once or so, so he's sitting at two loyalty. You get Chandra, Acolyte of Flame on board. You activate the Chain Veil. All of a sudden, that gives Tybalt, Tybalt 4 counters. That means the ult is within reach. If you have hit Tybalt's plus 1 prior to this, that means with 0 ramp, that is a turn 5 ultimate for Tybalt. That's a turn 5 insurrection that you get to drop on the board. So if you're in needy an situation and you can actually pull that off, holy cow, how cool would that be? Now, is that something that I would really encourage anyone to go out of their way to build a deck around? Probably not, but it's a really fun interaction with the Chain Veil, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. So, I don't know. I, th- I think that Chandra Acolyte of Flame and Tibalt, or Chandra Acolyte of Flame, frankly, and any number of other Red Planeswalkers. Um, I have no doubt there are Sarkins out there that can take better use of this than Tybalt. Um, so, that's something that I believe that that interaction is very similar to Ajani Greathearted's ability of putting additional loyalty counters on Planeswalkers and being able to double up that being incredibly valuable, except she's limited just to red Planeswalkers. So that's something to keep in mind, but there are plenty of great red Planeswalkers. So anyway, everybody, this has been kind of a deep dive look at at how you can work around the Chain Veil, how to build a deck that leverages super friends um, and can really really take advantage of this card so it's been super fun thank you so much for hanging out this has been kind of a long-winded one and i appreciate your i appreciate you sticking with me so thank you so much if you want more rambling like this i do stream over on twitch twitch.tv slash hamhocks 42 i also have another series on youtube called the rogue deck workshop where we take an idea for kind of a janky magic The gathering deck and we actually build it live on youtube and then well, it's pre-recorded, but we build it from start to finish on YouTube, walk through the thought process of card selection, and then we end with kind of a first draft of the deck, and then we actually play with it. So go ahead and check that out. I'd appreciate it if uh, you know, if you can go over there. And also, while you're here, go ahead and uh, click that like button if you've enjoyed this. And while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, it makes a huge difference. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And don't forget, you are a good person, and you deserve to be happy.